illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while from Wisconsin, the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host and the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me as always, but this time a little under the weather, from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother of the Beach. Beach, you going to make it through the show tonight? I, I sure as hell hope so, Billy. I'm going to try. I'm here. Okay. Got that Vegas crap going on, huh? I, I do. Actually, I think I got it before Vegas. And it, it stayed away for the most part, but uh, it, it certainly manifested on the flight home. Yeah. So, But uh, anyway, I'm here Sunday night. A lot of news got announced today. I have no clues what's going on because I had to work. And, yes, I did work in my uh, in my weekend condition because I, I do that, and now I'm here. So what do we got, Billy? Well, Beach, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to talk Beaver Sports, tailgating, and anything else we find interesting and fun every week. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most other podcatchers. If you want to get in touch with us, HeinerTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinerTailgator on X, HeinerTailgator on Facebook, and Beach. Billy. We did get some email. Oh, hot damn. What do we got? We got an email from listener Dano. Oh, what did Dano have to say? Dano said, who lost the last Pac-12 football game ever played, even though they were a double-digit favorite? The goddamn Ducks. <laughs> Side note. Side uh, note, this week's Tommy Tuberville Jackets of the Week should go to the idiot Duck fan demanding that Dan Lanning should be fired for going 0-3 against the Huskies since taking the helm in Eugene. That's awesome. That is a good thought, too. Yeah, people are stupid. People have unrealistic expectations. They, they, they think, do. They think you should win every freaking game ever played. Every team's trying to win every freaking game, yeah. and 50% of them don't. Yep. And sometimes you're really good. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes your opponent just puts a better uh, plan together and executes it better. Yeah. 
And in the case of Washington, I mean, I think we kind of had the conversation last week where we kind of all agreed Washington was probably the better or Oregon was probably the better team. Yeah. But um, well, it, it not when they played or, you know, not when they played Washington. I, well, you don't know that because some teams are just set up to play better against other teams. Yeah. Just between personnel and scheme. You mm-hmm. know, they, they're they just, you know, a team that might not be as, as have the talent that another team has is just set up to defeat that team. Yeah. But I, I, I wouldn't say Washington is, has less talent than Oregon does. But Well, and, and Washington pulled out a win every freaking week. Yep. So good for them. I mean, they, they were tight in a lot of games. Yep. Probably not near as tight as Oregon was in a lot of those, in yeah. the, a lot of the same components, but they still, when it all comes down to it, it just matters if you get the W. <laughs> Quite frankly, yeah. All right, Beans, you ready to talk some Beaver sports? Yeah, I heard we got some good news. Well, let's start with a little bit of women's volleyball. Is that still going on? I thought we beat that dead horse. No, but after being near the top of the league in multiple offensive categories, Michael Vernon was named honorable mention all Pac-12, the league announced last Tuesday. The outside hitter finished fourth in kills with 428, sixth in kills set at 3.57, and even finished 12th in digs at 347 and 14th in digs per set at 2.54. Formidable presence for Oregon State, Vernon tallied double-digit kills in 24 matches, including in 15 of the last 18 times out. In Pac-12 play, she put up nine double-doubles, even a 19-kill, 21-dig performance in a five-step triumph over Arizona. Hmm. Good for her. So you like to see that. All right, Beach. but what you were alluding to, there is some men's soccer news. And what was that, Billy? Well, Beach, the Oregon State men's soccer team has booked a spot in the College Cup for the first time in program history with a 1-0 win over North Carolina Saturday afternoon in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Dante Williams' first half goal lifted the Bees to victory over the three-seed Tar Heels. Oregon State will now face Notre Dame in the semifinals of the NCAA tournament on Friday in Louisville. Now, the Beavs' run to the College Cup has featured victories over Seattle University, Portland, Southern Methodist, and now North Carolina. Oregon State has booked its first-ever appearance in NCAA soccer's biggest event in head coach Greg Dalby's first season at the helm. Now, in the game, Beach, OSU limited UNC to eight shots in the contest, only one of which was on the target, while the Beavs also tallied eight shots in the contest, placing five of them in frame. Nice. So that's good. So yeah. playing well. So and I believe yeah. the Beavs, I think, are the only team that's not that wasn't seeded. So they they were an outside shot. Uh, yeah. So nice. they they seed sixteen teams, and I think the other three that are left are seeded. I know nice. Notre Dame was seeded, and I can't remember who the other two were. Let me look it up. Sure. Men's college soccer. So. You have West Virginia is, is was seated fifth. Notre Dame was seated second. Clemson was seated ninth, and Oregon State was not seated. So I believe, yeah. So I believe when they do it, they they re. It's not a straight bracket, 
So if North Carolina would have beaten Oregon State, they would probably be playing West Virginia and Clemson playing Notre Dame because Notre Dame being the highest-seeded team would get the lowest-seeded team. Okay. That makes sense? Yep. Kind of. So I believe that's how yeah. they do it. Cool. So, yep. So now we got to play them on Friday. All right, Beach. Oh, uh, a little bit of uh, wrestling news. Okay. Completing action in the annual Cliff Keen Las Vegas Invitational, the 17th-ranked Oregon State wrestling team finished with a fifth-place result, collecting 98.5 points. Travis Whitlake, ranked 12th at 174 pounds, highlighted the OSU squad with a second-place finish, while Brandon Kaler at 125 and Boo McDermott at heavyweight each had a fourth-place performance. Now, the fifth-place finish was the best team performance by an OSU squad in the Coach Pendleton era, and the best since the 2012 edition when they placed fourth. Now, the Beavs will close out 2023 and start their Pac-12 title defense when they start league play at Cal State Bakersfield on December 16th. Action against the Rose Runners is slated for a 7 p.m. start in Bakersfield. Hmm. Okay. On to some women's basketball. All right. Oregon State head coach Scott Ruick became the winningest coach in Oregon State women's basketball history in front of a raucous crowd of 8,454 on field trip day. The win, Ruick's 270. What's a field trip day? That's when they bring in all the uh, area middle school, uh, uh, elementary school students. Oh, that's kind of cool. You, you've been, you and I went to a game for that a number of years ago. Oh, was that field trip day that you and I went? Yeah, remember, because it started at like 11 a.m., and they bring in all the little kids from different elementary schools from around the area. I know there's some kids from Dallas were there, obviously Corvallis, probably Albany, I figure probably Monroe, Philomath. That's cool. Yeah, and they they fill it up, and it's just, it's kind of nuts, but it's it's loud, but it's also kind of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So that win was Rook's 275th as OSU's head coach was a 79-53 victory over Weber State, where the Bees thoroughly outpaced the Wildcats in the game's opening quarter, leading 30-6, and then coasted to the victory. Hmm. Then on Saturday afternoon, A.J. Marat notched a career high with 23 points to help the Bees pick up a 76-52 victory over Western Kentucky. Marat's 23 points came primarily via the three-pointer, which she made five on 11 attempts. The junior also dished four assists on the day, part of a 22-assist effort from OSU as a team. Now, Reagan Beers joined Marat with 20 points, the first time in just over a year that two Beavs scored 20 in the same game, adding 13 points, three steals, and three assists. That means Beers got another double-double. Nice. Now, those two players were two of five Oregon State players with three or more assists. Now, up next, the 6-0 Beavs will welcome Jackson State on Saturday, December 9th at 6 p.m. Oh. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, Rook and the girls can do well. Let's hope so. 275 wins. wins. Yeah, 275 wins. That's pretty damn good, considering he basically didn't even have a team when he took over. Yeah, he he took over nothing, didn't he? I think he took over he a team with and... one one player. I think was left. Yeah, because they all left, didn't they? Yep, left or just quit the sport entirely. Yeah, because I mean, he actually had open tryouts, didn't he? That's right, he had open tryouts that first season. Wow, crazy! All right, now Beach. he's probably one of the more respected coaches in the in the in the league. Yeah, if not the nation. All right, Beach. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to men's basketball. 
Okay. How's how's I, I always get disappointed, but let's let's have some hopes how Tinkle and the boys do. Well, Beads, the Oregon State men's basketball team remained perfect at home this season as the Beavs took down UC Davis seventy one to fifty nine Thursday evening at Gill Coliseum. Cole Mario led the Beavs with eighteen points and ten rebounds, setting career highs in both categories to net his first collegiate double double. The center finished the game 6-for-8 from the floor. Dexter Cano finished with 16 points on 4-for-9 shooting, while Jordan Pope had 15 points in the contest, extended his streak to 10 straight games in double figures. All right. Michael Rattage had 7 points and 5 rebounds in his first appearance at Gill this season. Josiah Lake the second ended the day with 4 steals. Now defensively, Oregon State held UC Davis to 35.8% shooting in the contest and limited Aggie standout Elijah Pepper to just nine points, less than half of his season average. And, Beach, I will say the Beavs played Cal Poly on Monday. Okay. And this will be released Tuesday. Okay. But we're recording Sunday, so we don't know what the hell happened. Okay, that's just that's. I feel like we're letting our audience down. Well, it is what it is. All, all, all 11 of them are going to be totally disappointed in us. We're up to 16 now. Oh, 16. 16. Yeah, 16. Okay. All right. Hold on, Billy. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to go Hold on. Can you hear that? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. <laughs> University of Oregon team and players offered several name, image, and likeness deals after pathetic loss to the University of Washington last Friday afternoon. The first offer came in from Bed Bath & Beyond. The VP of Marketing of the recently bankrupt brand offered Bo Nix $75 to be their spokesman for their brand new product line, Towels of Shame. They are designed to be worn on your head at the end of the game after you get your ass handed to you on the field. The next offer came in from 90s rocker Beck, who is going on tour for the 30th anniversary of his number one hit single, Loser. Oh, God. He is offering each player $50 to be a background dancer for the I'm Still a Loser tour starting in January 1st, 2024. And last but not least, straw maker Avant Grubb reached out to the coaches, staff, players of the University of Oregon for permission to use their team photo to grace the cover of their retail packaging for their entire U.S., at a whopping offer of $99.99 and free straws, Avant Grub will be using the photo to cover the entire front of their 100-straw box with the tagline, We are Oregon and we suck. <laughs> this has been your Heinrich Tailgater update from Eugene. All right. Yeah. It's okay. Well, Beach, since we've gotten through there, should we just go under further review for the Pac-12 championship game? After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown! You, you, you know, I'm the sick one, but you sound like you've been self-medicating over there. Yeah, I guess. Okay, sure. Let's go under further review, Billy. So, Beach, on Friday evening, it was Oregon versus Washington in Vegas for what could possibly be the final Pac-12 championship. Will we will we have a Pac-12 championship next year since it, we essentially still have a conference? I mean, if there's two teams, no. You can't have a championship with two teams? I don't believe so. 
I think there's. Well, you have I think a champion a of the conference. Well, yeah, but we still have a champion of the conference. Yeah, I guess. For whatever yeah. that means. I mean, we're going to play each other, and somebody's going to win, and somebody's going to lose. Sure. Yeah, that's my thought. Thank you. All right, Beach. Number three, Washington bounced back after a 21-point run by number five, Oregon, to beat the Ducks 34-31 to in the final Pac-12 championship game and assure itself a spot in the college football playoff. Now, the undefeated Huskies led 20-3 to with less than two minutes to go in the first half before Oregon reeled off 21 consecutive points to take a 24-20 to lead. But Washington got the lead back for good when Dylan Johnson scored a one-yard TD with 12.23 to go. Now, Beach, just as a side, that's one thing that Dan Lanning, the head coach of Oregon, talks about. He talks about the middle eight and winning the middle eight. So what's the last four minutes before halftime and the first four minutes after halftime? And really, oh, really? Oregon did win in there. And know? they always do. I mean, they did. they did with Oregon State, too. Yep. That, you know, you, you just, especially freaking the last two minutes of the, of the half, they yeah. freaking just thump you. And they, they like did the same thing against Washington. Now Washington yeah, then forced, falls out. Yeah, Washington then forced an Oregon punt and drained as much clock as possible on its next drive. The drive was powered by two great catches by Jalen Polk as the Huskies extended the lead to 10 points. Two yard TD pass from Michael Penix Jr. to Quentin Moore made it a two possession lead with 244 to go in the game. The TD Bass capped a 12-play drive that took 6.20 off the clock. It was Washington's second scoring drive of the night that took over six minutes as the Huskies made it clear from the start that they wanted to limit the time that Oregon's offense spent on the field. But Oregon got a TD 30 seconds later on a 63-yard Treshawn Holden catch-and-run TD. But after the onside kick failed, Washington was able to get a first down and run up the clock even though Oregon had all of its timeouts left. Now, Bees, we obviously didn't watch the game. We were in Vegas, mm-hmm. not to watch the game, but to just have some fun. But we were listening yep. to the end of it on the radio. Yep. I know when Holden made that catch and run for the touchdown, mm-hmm. that was freaking me out. And yeah. because I said, that's what Oregon does. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. They make phenomenal plays at the end to just rip your heart out. They they can they can draw when when they're when they're hitting on all eight cylinders they can just just uh, conquer the field in in thirty forty seconds maybe a minute mm-hmm. I, I and I mean and and it's not just Bo Nix it's been their quarterbacks probably for the last two decades yeah for quite a while yeah yeah, yeah. I mean I don't I don't I mean I mean again I still remember Joey Harrington. There'd be times he'd be down several to several touchdowns, and he'd just freaking conquer that field. As long as defense could get the ball back, he would he would dominate when he needed to. Yeah, and that's what really was the difference in this game. Washington's offense could just keep keep that uh, keep the sticks moving. Yeah, keep the sticks moving. So, but you know, I thought Oregon played a pretty good game. I've watched a bunch of uh, highlights and condensed versions of the game, and it was a pretty good football game for that last one. Mm-hmm. But absolutely. Uh, you know, Washington actually made a few more. There was a couple of incredible catches and a couple incredible throws by Penix. So, well, so does this mean uh, Nix is out of the uh, Heisman contention? Oh no, we'll see. I bet he'll be. I bet he'll be one of the final three. I would imagine. Um, I would imagine the final three in my book would be Jaden Daniels of LSU, Nix of Oregon. 
and Penix of Washington. And right now, I would say you'd probably have to put the money on Penix because of those three, he's the only one on an undefeated team. And Mm -hmm. in both times they played Oregon, he played well and they won. Yeah. So, although personally, if I would give it to somebody, I would probably give it to Jaden Daniels because his stats are amazing. He's got the passing yards damn near the same, but he's got over a thousand rushing yards. And I think he meant more to LSU than either of those guys made meant to uh, Washington or Oregon. Gotcha. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, but we did have a good time in Vegas, even though we didn't weren't down there for the game. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, we were sitting around a couple times and we, obviously there were Husky and duck fans everywhere. And on the drive back, the flight back uh, on the flight back yesterday. Lots of sad duckies on that plane. Yeah, I was, I was, my heart was breaking for him. Yeah, too. I was, I was shattered for him. It was funny because when we got down there Thursday uh, night, we went out to dinner, and we had a couple guys walk behind us, and I decided before I left, I'm like, I'm wearing beaver stuff the whole time. Don't care. And there were a lot of beavers down there. There was quite a few beavers down there, and it was funny yeah. because uh, these guys came up to us and so, hey, good to see beavers here. Hey, who are you rooting for? And I turned around looking at them and I go who are you with? And they're like, well, I just want to know who you're rooting for. And I go, tell me who you're with. And they go, Washington. And I like what you said. You're like, well, we're not too happy with you guys either. And I go, yeah, but fuck the ducks. <laughs> Cause that's really what it comes down to. Yep. I will not root for those bastards at all. Although really Washington was the one that helped with the final collapse of the PAC 12. Yeah. Because yeah, it was, it would've... was, it was them leaving Friday morning that made it Oregon leave. Mm-hmm. So we know who the top is in that relationship. Yep. But. Who the who the bitch is and, <laughs> and who the butch is. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's talk about the Pac-12 in the final polls of the regular season beach. Okay. So in the AP poll, Washington comes in at number two. Oregon comes in at number eight. Arizona at 14. Oregon State at 21, and Utah is in the others receiving votes category. And in the coaches poll, Washington again at number two, Oregon at eight, Arizona again at 14, Oregon State at 22, and Utah in the others receiving votes category. That means, Beach, the Bees were in every regular season poll this season. Nice. I think that's impressive. First time ever in the history of the university. Very awesome. Very awesome. Too bad we, we couldn't have gone a little bit higher, but uh, well, we got still up, not bad. Well, we got up to 10. Mm-hmm. Got up to 10 on, what, almost two different occasions? I, mean, I think we got to 12 once and then 10, 10 another time, but just couldn't uh, couldn't keep, this, keep it going. So, Beach, the final playoff uh, poll came out, mm-hmm. and obviously the top – Six are the ones that play in the New Year's New Year's Day six bowl games, but the top four is what plays for the championship this year. Okay. And I will also give you the rest of the the rest of the uh, rankings for the Pac-12. So, number one, Michigan. Number two, Washington. And then here's where the interesting part comes in. Mm-hmm. Texas, with one loss, comes in at number three. Okay. Alabama, with one loss, comes in at number four. 
So that means those two teams, those four teams will play for the college championship. Michigan will play Alabama. Washington will play Texas. And then, Beach, the last two teams that will also be in the New Year's Day games, but left out Georgia in at number six, who lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game. So one one lost Georgia. And undefeated number five, Florida State. And they get kicked down to number six. They got kicked down because to of five. strength of schedule. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just finish this out. Oregon came in at eight, Arizona at fourteen, and Oregon State at nineteen. So, Beach, with this, we're just gonna move right into this week's Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the week award. Every week, we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship leadership or just being a fan and this week beach we're not giving it to any of those three we're okay. giving it to the entire football bowl subdivision apparatus okay everyone involved in the thing because it's a scam because it's all a bunch of crap so beach yep. while four teams are celebrating the opportunity to play for a national title on the field Undefeated ACC champion Florida State is on the outside, with Coach Mike Norville saying he's, quote, disgusted and infuriated with the Seminoles becoming the first unbeaten Power 5 conference winner to ever miss out on the college football playoff. Norville said that uh, he was infuriated with the, quote, committee's decision today to have what we to have what was earned on the field taken away because a small group of people decided they knew better than the results of the games. He also said, what is the point of playing games? Do you tell players it's okay to quit if someone goes down? Do you not play a senior on senior day for fear of injury? Where's the motivation to schedule challenging non-conference games? We are not only un- we are not only an undefeated Power 5 conference champion, but we also played two Power 5 non-conference games away from home and won both of them. I don't understand how we are supposed to think this is an unacceptable... I don't understand how we are supposed to think this is an acceptable way to evaluate a team. What happened today goes against everything that is true and right in college football. And, Beach, I will add, I agree with that. Now, while Michigan is 13-0 champion, Washington 13-0 and the Pac-12 champion... Texas, 12-1 and and the Big 12 champion, and Alabama, 12-1 and in the SEC champion, were the top four teams who made it to the playoff. The Seminoles were judged by an untimely run of injuries at the quarterback position. Now, Beach, here is what the College Football Playoff Selection Committee chairman said. Okay, this is his quote. Florida uh-huh. State is a different team than it was the first 11 weeks. As you look at who they are as a team right now, without Jordan Davis, Without the offensive dynamic he brings, they're a different team, and the committee voted Alabama 4 and Florida State 5. Now, Beach, Travis, who is the ACC Player of the Year, suffered a season-ending broken leg against North Alabama in mid-November. Backup Tate Rodemaker suffered a concussion late in the Seminoles' regular season finale game at Florida, leading to true freshman Brock Glenn, the third stringer, starting in the ACC title game, which was a victory against Louisville. Now, Beach, Travis posted on, on X, 
He said, quote, I wish my leg broke earlier in the season so y'all could see this team as much more than the quarterback. Florida State, as the number five seed, will face the two-time defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs in the Capital One Orange Bowl on December 30th. And obviously, Beach, the, the FSU... So, so one of, I mean, one of my questions was, essentially, if you're... I mean, that's what doesn't make any sense, to, to have a power five and only pick four teams. I, I, I That math never well, made sense to me. it's going to go to 12 next year. But do you think this is going to fix these kind of problems? Not if you don't have... In order for it to go to 12, to me, you need 12 conferences. There's not going to be 12 conferences. And, they're going to well, go. Just, they're going to go to a I, five plus seven. Anytime it's anytime it's subject to voting and not on record doesn't make any sense. That's what it's going to be, and it's always going to be yeah. like that, Beach. That doesn't make any sense. It's it's what it's always going to be. That's not fair because but, it's subjective. But it's always going to be. And subjective. I don't I don't like subjective standards. Subjective standards are bullshit. But it's always subjective, Beach. If you look at the NCAA basketball tournament, subjective. Yes, champions uh-huh. get in, but then they let in a bunch of others, and guess what? There's going to be more SEC teams and more ACC teams than anybody else. That's just what they do. Mm-hmm. And, and Beach, the FSU defense has played amazingly since Travis got hurt. So over the past two games, the de- this Florida State defense has combined for 13 sacks and held its past two opponents to zero or negative yards in the fourth quarter. And this is what I think the problem is, Beach. The SEC champion has never been left out of the college football playoff. Because they're privileged. Yep. Now, Alabama, the Alabama, which is in the championship for the eighth time, kept that streak alive. The SEC has won the past four national championships, Georgia twice, Alabama, and LSU, and six of the nine titles overall during the college um, football playoff era. Twice, Two SEC teams have played for the national championship. Alabama beat Georgia in 2017, and Georgia beat Alabama in 2021. And I think that's what it is right there, Beach. I don't think they were going to let this go and not have some way to squeak in an SEC team. Exactly. That's what it comes down to. Yep. And it gave them cover. And I will say that in there, because this is all done with contracts, right? These are all Mm -hmm. contracts by all these different leagues getting together and setting up what it's going to be. And in that contract with the, the, the committee, one of the things they are able to look at is injuries. And if the makeup of the team that's before you now is the same as the makeup of the team that got you there. But, you know, remember, uh, Ohio State won a national championship a couple years ago with their third string guy. The first two guys I just got don't hurt. See how, I, just, I guess I just don't see how you can rate them based on who their quarterback is. You rate them based on their ability to play. Well, that's what they're saying. You know? With the quarterback they have, they don't have the ability to play. And that's not right. I, I mean, agree with they, you. Their wins have proven that. I agree with you. And, it just, and there's a lot of people pissed. And just being on on X and so did, did I read did I read that that a team was going to boycott I don't believe any team has I know it actually took them a while to announce who the ACC teams were that were going to be in the bowl games um, uh-huh. when the uh, the uh, Sun Bowl was announced with the Beavs their opponent was 
to be announced because the ACC was dragging their feet on who was going where. Because they feel like they got screwed. Oh, yeah, and they probably did. Uh-huh. And because if they're not getting into that, well, I mean, I guess they're still taking a top game, but if they're saying that their conference is weak, then they're pushing their, their bowl games down. Yep. And that actually impacts a lot of their financial situation too. Correct. Because you're not getting that college football playoff money. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it right now, too, if this were next year, who would be playing? You have two Big Ten teams in Michigan and Washington State, or Michigan and Washington, and two SEC teams in Texas and Alabama. And Beach, so there's been a lot of um, rumors on, on X that a lot of Big 12 teams have been calling, excuse me, a lot of ACC teams have been looking at possibly bailing and joining the Big 12. Huh. Because, you know, Florida State and Clemson have made no, and, and Miami have made no bones about they would join the SEC in the heartbeat. Because it would make, get them up for consideration. Well, because they figure they're going to be part of the big boys. Then. It's what it's coming down to in football is the haves and the have-nots. Mm-hmm. And the haves want more of the have, and they want less for the have-nots. Same reason why USC and UCLA left. Exactly. They wanted they wanted more cash. Yeah. Screw the, we're, we're well, we yeah we've we've got we're we're bringing in what is it twenty uh, percent bring in eighty percent of the revenue. So now what you got is you got all, all the twenty percent wanting to merge together and screw the uh, screw the eighty percent that only bring in twenty percent of the revenue. Correct. Now be. I was just going to say, um, there's a guy on Twitter. His handle is at MHVER3. Nobody knows who he is, but he is somebody that um, people know. Or He's somebody that has inside information on a lot of this stuff. So in uh-huh. April 18th of 2022, he posted that Fox Sports was advising the Big Ten to expand and USC and UCLA are the prime candidates, right? And mm-hmm. and this was, you know, they didn't announce that USC and UCLA were leaving until end of June, first part of July of that year. So he's got his finger on stuff somewhere. And he's been one that I've been keeping an eye on. I've had a couple people point him out to me and say, mm-hmm. watch what this guy posts because he, he seems to know – and that – Guy, we don't know who else. Could be a woman. Who the hell knows, right? Yeah. This person. Uh-huh. And so um, today he started. He hadn't posted anything for several months since everything okay. kind of finally ended. And he started posting again. Um, and what did he say? Well, uh, he said that 16 Big 12 schools had a briefing this afternoon and discussed current events and landscape along with bowl invitations. ACC implosion was discussed. Several scenarios were explored, the most intriguing being a merger of sorts with the ACC. Members would be shuffled around between conferences for geographical travel cohesiveness. Not saying this will happen, but it was the most interesting scenario discussed, and one discussed at length. And supposedly, um, the Big 12 had been contacted by a number of ACC schools. Really? Yeah. But also, Beach, um, 
there was a uh, after that there was a new thing he he posted and it said one final nugget from the briefing and the merger scenario the possibility of adding Oregon State and Washington State with the PAC assets and having three entities a PAC Big 12 and ACC possibly with Notre Dame negotiating TV under one umbrella sharing revenues and scheduling almost exclusively amongst themselves. So what they would do would be is basically form an alliance, and this one would actually be done through contract and legally binding. And what you'd you'd do is you'd have the pack, and you'd probably bring back the four schools that left, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and probably add in a couple more. So you'd kind of balance okay. everything out. So you'd have a okay. pack. You'd have a pack. You'd have a big, big twelve, and then you'd have an ACC. And they think that with that, they would control a huge chunk of inventory. So they, you know, if they work together as a cohesive unit, split everything evenly. Mm-hmm. That you know that could help them fight against the big two. Because that's really what it comes down to, right? The Big yep. Ten is going to be controlled by Fox, and the SEC will be controlled by ESPN, and that's what we're looking at right now. Uh huh. So, but this whole thing's a mess, and it is crumbling, and it might come apart sooner than we know. So, so Oregon State should, might just be good sitting it out and watching as as the world falls apart. Yeah, we'll see. And and obviously this week, Beach, they announced that um, there's been a scheduling agreement between. The Pac-2 and the and the Mountain West, and that each Mountain West team will play either Oregon or Oregon State next year. Or you mean Washington State? Sorry, or Oregon, Oregon State. State or Washington State. Correct. Sorry. Yeah. Next year, and that um, nobody will play both teams unless they already had a non-conference game. So, like, potentially we could play Boise State twice. Uh huh. No. That's not true. We won't play anybody twice, but we'll so play we, Boise we'd, State. We'd play, we could play we could play seven teams instead of six. Correct, 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 correct. Because that's we already had them scheduled. Correct, that's what I meant to say. And yeah, we'll, yeah. and so the uh, Oregon State Washington State will not be able to play in the Mountain West title game, and uh-huh. the games will not affect the Mountain West teams' league standings. Perfect. But a, a finalized schedule has not been announced yet for the Beavs or Washington so, State. And, and so what's going to fill up the balance then? Well, you know, they already have three games scheduled with Purdue. Oh, who do they have on there? It's Purdue. Wazoo. Wazoo. So they've got Idaho State. They've got Boise State. And they've got Purdue. Plus Washington State. So there is four games. Plus they will have six more games against Mountain West teams. So that takes you mm-hmm. to 10, and they have two more they need to fill out. One's thought okay. that it might be Oregon, so, and that would just leave one more. So okay. anyways, so with all of this football, bowl, subdivision, college football, you get this week's jackass of the week because this is just a mess and it's all been started with the networks and schools that just want to 
as we would say, screw their brother. Yeah. Right? There'd be times when we'd be doing stuff and we're like, okay, this isn't screw your brother. It means we're going to work together in this situation. Right. We uh-huh. might be, we might be looking out for ourselves, but we're not going to hose the other guy over. And that's what this is. Screw everybody else. As long as we get ours. And it's just, it's, it's, it's gross. And there's a lot of people pissed. I know with, I mean, you've heard the, the, the rumors that Cam Ward, the quarterback up at Washington state has 10 different million dollar NIL deals offered to him right now. 10. To leave the university, to leave Washington state. Wow. And it's just, it's gross. It's, it's not fun. You hear about all these guys, you know, tomorrow's Monday beach. We'll see how many guys hit the portal. I was looking today because they've got a a portal tracker on ESPN. And it's not very Mm -hmm. uh, great, but if you look at it in the portal right now, people that have thrown their name in the portal, that doesn't mean they will transfer, but they're looking at it. So you got Cam Ward of Washington State, quarterback Mm -hmm. Drew Pine of Arizona State, quarterback Dante Moore of UCLA, Quarterback wow. DJ Uyunglele of Oregon State. I mean, it's crazy. Quarterback Riley Leonard of Duke, and I bet he leaves to follow his coach to Texas A&M. You know, here's another quarterback uh-huh. from Coastal Carolina. There's just quarterback from Temple, quarterback from Minnesota, quarterback from Wake Forest, quarterback from Miami. It's just it's. Because they're being offered so much money, they're like, I, I can't leave this on the table. I guess. Quarterback from Kansas State, quarterback from Baylor, quarterback from Mississippi State. Um, two quarterbacks, I think three quarterbacks from Michigan State have left. Yeah, I heard about that. Quarterback okay. from Utah, quarterback from Texas A&M. I mean, it's nuts. Even Utah can't keep them, even with a new truck, huh? Yeah. So. Wow. Anyways, it's just it's gross, and I don't like I don't like this paying players. I, I I don't like any of this. It's gross and it's unsustainable. You know, at least the NFL has the salary cap, right? Yeah. Because they know as popular as Dallas is, they still need small market teams like Kansas City or Buffalo or Green Bay to do well too. Uh huh. You know, because you need everybody to do well to keep the interest up so everybody does well if it's just one team kicking the holy living with jesus out of everybody why watch right anyways all right bees let's move on to the musical interlude it's your pick this week okay yeah i kind of threw this one together because you know i'm a little under the weather still um but uh i i was thinking about it, i'm like oh, you know what this is a good one so today's musical interlude. Uh, the song today is from 1981, but didn't hit number one until 1987. So a little bit of a lag there. Actually, I think 1986 today. Actually, hit in 1987. So five years after the original release, the studio version of "At This Moment," written and sung by Billy Vera, was included on several episodes of the NBC sitcom Family Ties during the 1985 to 86 season as the love song associated with Alex P. Keaton, played by Michael J. Fox, and his girlfriend, Ellen Reed, played by Tracy Pollan, whom Fox eventually married in real life. The song will forever be associated with the breakup of between Alex and Ellen when Ellen leaves for Paris to pursue her career. So here it is. 
from the classic 1980 sitcom Family Ties, At This Moment by Billy Vera and the Beaters. This one's called At This Moment. What did you think I would do at this moment When you're standing before me With tears in your eyes Trying to tell me that you Have found you another You just don't love me no more What did you think I would say at this moment When I'm faced with the knowledge That you just don't love me Did you think I would curse you Say things to hurt you Cause you just don't love me no more Did you think I could hate you Or raise my hands to you Now come on, you know me too well Again. 
Interesting choice, Peach. What'd you think? That's a pretty good one. I I I just I've always loved that song. So and you know I love Family Ties growing up as a kid. It's hard to believe how old that sitcom is now. You know because I I still remember watching it and Growing Pains and Who's the Boss as a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, but that one there, I mean, I just remember watching that. Uh, and, and and again, I was like 1986, 87. I would have been like what 12, 10 or 12, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, somewhere in there. And yeah, and uh, I just remember watching that show and that song, and uh, and just always feeling so sad for for Alex. It was well acted, you know. Yeah. When he had to say goodbye to his girlfriend, I always, uh, you know, it was. I, I like Family Ties. So it was a good sitcom. Why Why did he have to say goodbye to her? Uh, she had. To, she was leaving for Paris. Oh, that's right. So I think she was going to school or something over there. I had to look it up because it's been so long. I just remember them uh, holding each other and dancing. Mm-hmm. And then her walking away, and um, and then he ends up meeting her at like the train station or something like that, trying to find her. Mm-hmm. But um, they said I was reading it said that they couldn't go to a dance, you know, because eventually they you know they dated and they got married. They said they couldn't go to a dance without somebody putting that song on for them to dance to. Wow. So yeah, yeah. So they they became synonymous with them, but. Uh, Anyway, and, and I tell you, you know, kudos to her because, uh, you know, she she stayed with him through all of his uh, his issues oh, yeah. with MS, and uh, I'm sure that's not a, an easy relationship to, you know. I, I met him here, or I shouldn't say met him. I was I got a picture taken with him here a couple of years ago at a comic con. So all of the uh, actors from Back to the Future. So him, Christopher Lloyd, um, oh golly. Uh, uh, Who's I, I want to say uh, uh, Carolyn in the city? Um, oh, uh, 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 Leah Thomas. Leah Thompson. Leah, yeah, Leah Thompson. And then the guy who played Biff. Uh, we're all there, and I was able to get my photo taken with him. So, That's cool. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, there, there we go. So, so if you get bored, you can rent them on. Uh, get 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 your copies of Family Ties and relive uh, relive the 1980s with uh, the Keaton family. There you go. Did you know I read on a side note? I read an article that said that the the family members of uh, or the the actors who played the Keaton family they wanted the final episode for them to all die in a plane crash. Oh, jeez. Yeah, because they didn't want any reunion shows or anything like that, and they just wanted it to end. Oh, that's brutal. And so that they all they all but they they never did, but that's how they wanted it to end. Yeah. yeah. That's then you all just get together and just and and agree we're never going to do a reunion show. Exactly, exactly. So that's, that's yeah, that's dark. All right, Beach. Well, let's talk about the Pac-12 bowl schedule. Okay, well, let's, let's do this. Do we have is everything released now? I mean, they said they were dragging their feet, but everything's been announced now. Everything is released. So it okay. looks like we have. Seven teams in bowl games. Okay. So first up, Beach, and this one's coming up quick. It'll be this weekend, Saturday, December sixth. Excuse me, Saturday, December sixteenth. UCLA versus Boise State in the Starco Brands LA Bowl. You sound impressed. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, I really don't care, but I'll take Boise State. Oh, are we doing picks? I figured we were. Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't going to do that, but sure. So, Bede says Boise. Let's talk to Kyle. Okay. All what right. do you say? Um, yeah, I'll take, I'll, take, I'll, I'll take Boise, too. Um, Boise just hired their interim coach as their new head coach. So, because they fired Wait, their coach. Okay. Well, I just figured everybody in UCLA is going to hit the transfer portal, so Probably. they can be left. Probably. And and Oregon State just hired UCLA's quarterbacks coach, Beaver Ryan Gunderson, as their new offensive coordinator today. That'll be interesting. Yeah. So then next up we have Saturday, December twenty third, Utah versus Northwestern in the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. I know this bowl. Yeah. I would take Utah on that. I think so, too. Okay. Then on Wednesday, December 27th, number 15 Louisville versus USC in the DirecTV Holiday Bowl. I'm sorry, who, who is this again? I didn't catch that. Number 15 Louisville. Uh-huh. versus USC in the Holiday Bowl. USC got the Holiday Bowl. Yeah. They don't even have to travel very far. They probably have to take yellow school buses down there. Yeah, if any of them go. Yeah. Caleb Williams hasn't said if he's playing or not. It's just, you know, with all of this crap going on, I mean, it really just, you know, who, who the it hell It kills cares? the bowl because, season. They took yeah, it something. Does, it does, because. They took because something that was unless you're, beautiful. Unless you're going to play in the top, unless you're going to play in the national championship games. Why play? Why play? Yeah. I mean, Anthony yeah. Gould for Oregon state has already said that he's not going to play because he's getting ready for the NFL. Uh-huh. And I love Anthony Gould, but I don't really think he has much of a shot in the NFL, but good luck to you. Uh-huh. But I just don't, uh, I, the bowl um, games I'll, used to be so much fun. New Year's Day used to be so much fun leading up to uh-huh. it with all these bowl games. It was great. And now they've just perverted it. Yeah, because now the teams that are playing aren't the teams that got the bowl game. No. It's it's a shell of the team that got the bowl game. It's the third, second and third stringers yep. playing. So who do you think, Beach? Uh, I think Louisville because USC can lick my sack. Yeah, that's who I took too, actually. And Louisville isn't very good, but. All right. I don't care. USC can lick my sack. Next up, Thursday, December 28th, number 14, Arizona, versus number 12, Oklahoma, in the Valero Alamo Bowl. I'll take Arizona. Oh, that's what I was going to take, too. I, I, I think that would actually be a pretty good bowl game. Yeah, probably. Okay, and then here's the one for us, Beach. Friday, December 29th, 11 a.m. in the morning. Number 19, Oregon State, versus number 16, Notre Dame, in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. We always, uh, this is like the third time we played Notre Dame over the last, what, 20 years? Correct. We're, uh, we are uh, 2-0 and against Notre Dame in bowl games. Yeah. Uh, and you and I have been there for both of them. Yeah, it's going to stay three, and then we're going to kick the motherfuckers. Yeah. I think, you know, that'd be a fun game to go to if they gave out lots of free Frosted Flakes. I do love Frosted Flakes. I do, too. <laughs> okay. You know what I had for breakfast this morning? What'd you have, Frosted Flakes? Frosted Flakes. Nice. 
Yeah. You had frost flakes in your house. In my, that's the only thing I have in my fridge is all milk. I don't like milk out of a cow. That kind of grosses me out, even though I do like cheese. But um, but I got if you open up my fridge right now, um, I've got uh, Coke, Coke Zero, Cherry Coke Zero, uh, those ice drink things, the sugar free ice drink things, and then uh, I don't know what is the what what size a box of milk is for all the milk, but I got one of those, and then I bought those individual containers of of Frosted Flakes. There's like four of them. Nice. That way I don't have to make a mess. And that's, that's the food in my house. Yeah, that's what I eat. <laughs> Did I tell you about the last time I ate Frosted Flakes? What happened? Okay, I don't eat cereal, right? I just, I don't need it. Uh-huh. I don't keep it here. The boys don't eat cereal. I just don't have it. But I do like cereal. But you, uh-huh, you, you like Frosted Flakes. I do. I like Frosted Flakes. <laughs> I like Apple Jacks. There's, you know, a couple of other cookie crisps. There's some cereals I like. I like Cinnamon Life. Uh-huh. Anyways. Oh, yeah, yes. So we're on the cruise ship. And uh-huh. it's one of the last days there. And Jess and I get up. And we're going to go down to the buffet for breakfast. And so we go down to the buffet and we, we dish up and we're eating and we're sitting at a table looking over the ocean, thinking what a great life this is. And I, I, I go, I need to go to the bathroom. Just like, all right. So I have to walk basically kind of out of the buffet to the restroom. And the buffet is kind of in the back of the ship. Uh-huh. And there's two entrances on either side as you're walking up either side of the ship. And so I go walking towards the entrance that i don't that we don't normally enter from right okay but there's bathrooms the bathrooms are at the entrance so i go walk up the side and i look and i see the cereal right i'm passing where the cereals are they got little boxes of frosted flakes and rice krispies uh-huh. and everything right and they got uh-huh. you know cartons of milk there and i'm like dude i'm thinking to myself dude because we we're going to be running around on the island and and uh uh uh, snorkeling and swimming with yeah. stingrays and doing all sorts of stuff that day. So I'm like, I, I, I'm not really worried about my sugar because I know I'm going to be burning stuff off quick. So, you know, uh-huh. I'm going to be okay. So I'm, I'm walking by and I see that. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm totally going to eat some Frosted Flakes. And then I see little block boxes of Apple Jacks. I'm like, dude, I might buy a grab a box of Apple Jacks and a box of Frosted Flakes. Yeah, I Apple use... Jacks are totally good snackable without I, the milk. Well, I'm thinking I could put half my thing of milk in for one kind of uh-huh. cereal and then the other Ooh, half okay. in for the other kind of cereal. This is going to be good, right? So I'm thinking uh-huh. about all this cereal I'm going to be eating. And I walk out the door of the rest of the buffet, take a left into the uh, restroom. I go in, uh-huh. not to get too personal, but had to use the stall. So I'm in there uh-huh. quickly doing my business thinking, oh, man, I can't wait to wash my hands, go back in there, get my cereal. And I walk up, walk out of the out of the bathroom, and I start washing my hands. And as I'm washing my hands, I look down to my right. And on there on the counter is a small receptacle that holds things uh-huh. that... That, uh, that men don't use, that men don't use. Well, yeah. In our, in our house, they're kind of uh, just called... Party favors. Okay. Right? Just kind of put you, you don't need to talk about it. It's party favors. Uh-huh. And I look down and also, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap. And I turn around and look, and there is no urinals in this bathroom. Uh huh. And that's when you know you're in deep crap. I'm in the wrong bathroom. And I'm on a Disney ship. And I'm just thinking, uh-huh. I don't want some little kid walking in here when big old bald headed 240 pound me comes walking out. Right. And I'm like, Oh crap. So uh, I'm quickly trying to wash my hand, dry my hands off and get out and I open the door and here comes a mom with her daughter. And I'm like, Oh, sorry. I'm in the wrong bathroom. I'm in the wrong bathroom. I went to the wrong one. And I walk out and it was all because of the damn cereal. 
damn Frosted Flakes. Yeah, but I, but I did eat some. No, damn right you did. All right, Beach. So let's finish up here. The last uh, games, we have three games left. Sorry, mm-hmm. we, have, we have two games left. We have mm-hmm. on Monday, January 1st, we have number 23, Liberty, versus number eight, Oregon, in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. I'm going to pick Liberty. Really? Bo Nix ain't going to play. You don't think? Is is that your final answer? Yeah. What if I told you Bo Nix said he was playing? I don't give a shit. Liberty. Okay. Because Bo Nix said he was playing, and I'm going to take Oregon. Okay. Liberty is undefeated, but Uh I don't even know who they've played. Do you know what conference they're in? I don't even know where in the hell they are. Of course, that doesn't mean where your conference is anymore because you could be like, you know, 3,000 miles away from the majority of your conference and you can still be in that conference. Yep. Okay. So they're not in there. Here, they're in the they're in Conference USA, the Liberty Flames. I believe they're a Christian school. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure where they're from. We've talked about them before, I remember. Yeah. Didn't they, weren't they named something else before Liberty? They were named after uh, an evangelist. Oh, that's right. Wasn't it, uh, wasn't it, was it Swaggerts? I think Jimmy so. Jimmy Swaggert? Um, so Liberty University is in Virginia. Christian University. I know we've talked about this before. There are the flames. The flames and of $29,000 a year. 99% acceptance rate. Wow. Graduation rate, 29%. Wow. Um, Is that good? I don't think so. You're not, yeah. even, you're not even graduating. Well, you know why? Because 50% of those people are looking for husbands. Could be. That's kind of brutal. Um, Well, it's true. I mean, typically very, very devout Christian university, a lot of the women are going to to improve their their social Okay. So so uh, founded in 71 by Jerry Falwell. Falwell. There we go. Yeah. I said swagger. Yeah. I I knew that wasn't right, but it was Falwell. So what, what was the name back then? So was it I thought they um, changed the name. So uh, founded in 71 by televangelist Jerry Fowell Sr. It was the Lynchburg Baptist College that changed its name to Liberty Baptist College in 76. And they changed in 1984 okay. to just Liberty University. Okay. And oh, listen to this. In 85, the university launched a distance learning program. 1985. Uh-huh. They launched a distance learning program. I'm supposed to say, Billy, how'd they, they do that? How'd they do that, Billy? Was it through their 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 network? Mailing VHS tapes to students. That's awesome. Yeah. I I took a telecourse back in the mid nineties and I had to go to like public access and watch the show. Oh yeah? Uh-huh. Through Portland Community College, yeah, it was weird. I never watched it. I ended up just doing the test and passing. 
what I found out was college wasn't that hard. You just, they just want the money. Yep. Anyways. Um, so that's Liberty versus Oregon. Next up is the last game. Number three, Texas versus number two, Washington in the all state sugar bowl. Um, I'm going to take Washington. I would too in that. Well, we'll talk a little bit here about the Oregon State Tony the Tiger symbol. So that's in El Paso. Uh huh. Um, we we did this one what ten years ago? No, it's been more than that. Two thousand eight, I believe, was the last time we were there. Um, Fifteen years ago. Okay, yep. and that was with uh, Stephen Jackson, right? No. So the game will be played on Friday, December 29th at 11 a.m. And the kickoff is at the Sun Bowl Stadium. This is the 90th annual Sun Bowl game. And it'll be on okay. CBS. This is also beats the second oldest bowl game, only to the Rose Bowl. Really? Yep. Now this will be Oregon State's 20th trip all time to a bowl game. The Beavers are 12-7 and seven heading into this year's trip. Uh-huh. Obviously last year was a 30-3 win over Florida in the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. This is the Beavs' third trip to the Texas-based El, uh, Sun Bowl. And the Beavs are 2-0 and in the previous two visits. In 2006, OSU defeated Missouri 39-38 thanks to a 14-yard touchdown reception by Joe Newton with 23 seconds remaining. And then Evanson Bernard then found the end zone on a successful two-point conversion to cap the 10-win season. That was the one I was thinking of, the Bernard one. Yep. Then two years later, Beach in 2008, Oregon State shut out Pitt again. Three to nothing. <laughs> nice. Justin Cahoot kicked a 44-yard field goal with 218 remaining in the second quarter for the only score of the game. The OSU defense limited the Panthers to just 178 yards of offense, 89 through the air, and 89 on the ground. And the Beavs went into that. They didn't have their biggest weapon in that game, Beach, who was Jaquiz Rogers, who was hurt. Hmm. So, but the Beavs still won three nothing. That's all that matters. Hmm. Just got to get the W. All right, Beach. Now, how are you? Uh, are you talking to me on your phone, or are you on? What are you on right now? I'm talking to you on my phone. Do you have your computer available? I can walk over there. Hold on, just a second. Okay. I don't know if I have internet access. I had issues when I got back home from Vegas. Let me see if I've got Wi-Fi. Help says I do. What am I looking for? Okay, so I'm going to forward you something through Messenger, and I don't even know what this is. Kyle sent it to me. But this will be this year's one and only so far. Tanner Boyle makes me want to puke. Play of the week. And this is actually in an NFL game. And it's Detroit versus New Orleans. Now, New Orleans runs a running play to their left side. Can you see it? Um, well, but not right now. Okay. And you'll see you'll see the running back for New Orleans run to the left. And then he goes out of bounds and runs into official. Oh, hole. shoot. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, fuck. Legs, oh, fuck. legs aren't supposed to be turned like that. Dude. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
And that was a guy on the sideline holding one of the uh, – he's just – he's you know, he's working the sideline for the game. His leg yeah. is forward. Yeah, it's not the way – Where's it go back? Yeah. I don't think he figured that was going to happen to him when he got to the uh, stadium that day to work. Well, and then the player kind of looks at him and goes, damn, that looks like that's got to hurt. And then yeah. he walks away. Well, it's not his fault, right? No. no. Like, oh, that's messed up, but I guess I'll keep walking. Well, you more, what, what's he going to do, right? And he didn't do it on purpose. So, yeah. So, Kyle sent me that. He wanted me to have you watch that so you could get the reaction on there. Oh, God. And so he said, I was trying to, he said he tried to look for a better uh, thing on YouTube, but they were all kind of scammy with, you know, yeah. weird voice Holy overlays crap. and stuff. So, yeah. so there you go. We don't do those very often. The Tanner Boyle makes me want to puke play of the week. It's just something where we find a, uh, a gross uh, play where something gnarly happens. We show it to Beach and hear him getting grossed out. Oh, God, yes. Okay, all right. All right, there you go. All right, Beach, anything else to add? Nope, nope. Hopefully next week I'll be. Are we having one of these next week? Um, or are we going to take a week off? We'll probably take a couple weeks off. Let me look at my calendar here. So this will come out on the 4th. And we don't have a game for two weeks. So, I don't know. We'll see. If not, we'll do one probably the second week of January. But maybe we'll okay. do one next Sounds week. Good. Maybe we'll do one next week just to pass the time. Okay. Who knows? Let's we'll wait and see how it goes. But I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 214 of Illegal Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, here are a couple suggestions Heinrich Tailgater at gmail.com Heinrich Tailgater on X Heinrich Tailgater on Facebook remember listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify iHeartRadio please leave a rating and review Beach Billy thanks for battling through the uh, sickness I, uh, I'm happy to do it I, do it I always take one for the team for you Billy yep so okay well until we'll next later. week here's a great big Go Beavs. Squeege! Billy, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I feel like shit. Let me shut up John Canzano here. There we go. You feel like crap, huh? Yeah. You feel like something a uh, wolf ate? Oh, I don't know what that is. And shit over a cliff? Yeah, there you go. All right, and we are recording. Are you ready to go? You got a song? I got a song. I got an update.
I got a Coke in case I have a coffee fit. Okay. Well, you sound like hell. But I'm here, dude. I appreciate that. All right, you ready to do this? As good as I'll ever be. It's a kind of a shit show from what I hear. Oh, yeah. This is going to be exciting. I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm just here. (laughs) So it's a normal, normal show. Pretty much, pretty much. Could be could be a little different. I don't know. Uh, it is different. I'm sick. It's probably why your head felt like it was going to blow up yesterday on the flight home. Oh, God. It would, dude, I was like, I was talking to Maria today when I was working because she's had issues like this too. She, And I'm like, Maria, I said, my ears wouldn't pop. I felt like my head was going to blow up. I said, you know, I, I and then I started having like, I didn't have like a major on panic attack, but I started getting anxiety. I'm like, I feel claustrophobic inside this airplane. I need to get the fuck out. And it was all I could do to sit there and wait for those fuck holes to get out the door. I know. Don't you hate that? Yeah. And I mean, cause I was, I was seriously that close to having a panic attack cause I just felt so bad. I was like, I was having trouble breathing. And again, the ears, the breathing, I'm like, oh God, am I going to pass out? I'm going to. And that's why I, I tapped you on the head. Yeah. Like, I just wanted you to know that I wasn't doing well in, in kind of a subtle way. It's like, dude, I might pass out and I need you to give me some attention because I'm fucked up. So anyway, that, that's what I was doing, by the way, in case you didn't know. I didn't if know. If I ever hit you again like that. Yeah. If I ever do that again, it's because I'm having some serious fucking issues. We, we, need, we need like a code word for next time. Uh, what, what, what was that one on that old uh, joke? Um uh, shit, it was a, uh, there was a, it was a safe word when, when this guy was screwing a gerbil. I can't remember what it was. It's an old joke on the radio. I can't remember what it was. Are you there? I'm looking it up. <laughs> the safe word for the gerbil joke. Hmm. Nope. Must must maligned something news. News report regarding safe word for gerbil. Maybe it should just be gerbil. Mm. I don't know what to figure it out. All right, let's get going. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. Joining me as always, but this time a little under the weather from Twin Pines Vineyard. Joining me as always. <laughs> should we just go under further further? I like beer. <laughs>